morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. It is Tuesday morning and you are joined by myself, Lawson, and across from me... Renee! You! All right. Hi, so good to be here. How are you going, Renee? Oh, pretty good. You winning your life? I'm... Uh, listen... Of course. Uh-huh. I have victory in Christ. Amen. <laughs> what are you grateful for this morning? I am grateful for shoes as I walked across all the muddy puddles. <laughs> all the squishy muddy puddles. Dude, I... I was like, my goodness, my shoes are great. Man, I uh, walk out onto my lawn for the last couple of days and I've sunk almost a foot uh, <laughs> as I walk onto my lawn. If I go out with bare f- feet, like then I need to... We have now a tower sitting beside the uh, the door of uh, my house so that... A tower? A, a towel, sorry. Oh, a towel. A towel. <laughs> yeah. Sitting sitting beside the door of my house because it's just, you know, if you go out to your car, if you go anywhere, like, yes. you just, you're just it. muddy. It's just, you're just muddy. Muddy puddles. Yeah. So, dude, choose good things. Shoes oh. are a good thing. Yeah. What are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Hmm. Well, coming up in a couple of days, I am going to be doing an interview. Ooh. To get a second job. Okay. Um, I'm really looking forward. Well, no, sorry. Wait. What am I saying? I already did the interview. Oh. I, already, I already pretty much got accepted for the job. I'm actually doing a site oh, tour congratulations. Um, in a couple in, in a couple days, and that kind of finalizes everything. So yeah, I'm just really glad. You know, this semester I decided to take a step back from study, spend mm-hmm. some time uh, just uh, working, and you mm-hmm. know, just doing life and whatnot. It's something different. I, um, see. I see. And to have the opportunity to go and work through this. Like, obviously we've got this gig at radio. I, l- I love being here. Radio is so, fun. So that's yeah. like, first and foremost, I'm grateful to be here this yes, morning. Uh, but yeah, just as well to have opportunities for other employers. It's great. Well, I wish you all the best as you start another, another job on top of this one. Mm-hmm. Should be a lot of fun. You're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith FM. Positively different. Positively different news. What's happening around yes. the world? Okay, so what's happening around? Well, this one is a, it's a local story in the country of Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, fruit picking and farm work is funding this couple's trip around Australia. Everyone's been stuck inside, um, mm. stuck in Australia. Essentially, <laughs> it's quite funny. Like I see every when I go out, I see people like exploring Australia. It's quite, it's quite. That's funny. so funny that we're trapped in one of the lowest <laughs> like density population, like population density areas in the world. Yeah, it's like, man, I'm so stuck. I just have thousands of kilometers to roam. <laughs> Woe is me. And, and some people really, they've seen that and they're like, okay, well, let me explore. Actually, I've been exploring the Blue Mountains like, well, Ooh, like good a stuff. few months. Like, I love the Blue Mountains. I prefer mm-hmm. the mountains over the beach. Anyway, I'm getting good distracted. So, <laughs> Australians love to travel, but... Um, Unfortunately, we've been stuck here. Um, however, Jeremy Mason and his partner, his French partner, Leigh Cholocao, returned <laughs> to Australia in 2020 after living in France. And so after spending months in lockdown, they decided to, um, take, to, to do a cost effective way to get around Australia, taking a leaf out of the backpacker's handbook. And so they are traveling around the country and working in farms along the way to fund their trip. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, Mr. Mason said, "Wow, why didn't I, why didn't we do this sooner?" They packed up their four-wheel drive, their home, their foreseeable f- uh, further 
and set off in January. They headed south of Brisbane, picked up a job at the macadamia farm at Lawrence, just north of Grafton. And in between planting trees and weeding, the couple explored the north coast of the New South Wales. Mm. And they said they've had a lot of time off work for rain. So we only got about four weeks of work within that seven weeks. Um, they've made their way down to Ballarat in Victoria uh, to work on a potato farm. Oh, potatoes. I love potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Camping in national parks along the way. Um, he says that it's, it's really good because, um, farms are really screaming out for laborers. That's, mm. you know, they're really, they're, you know, they're really, um, looking for them. So that's, that's really cool. That's a fun little story. Um, so. No, that's really, really cool. Fun idea. If that's you awesome. Want, if you want to do that. I've heard of, okay. So I can, I can think of two examples of people doing a similar thing. I know that my dad, when he was younger, traveled around Australia going from shop to shop, working as a, as a boilermaker. Um, because, you know, back then I feel like the, you know, the, the tradey industry was probably, you know, a, there was a lot more casual work mm-hmm. going, a lot more industry. Not that there's not a lot of industry today, but mm-hmm. it was just a little bit more easy to co- go into those positions. So you would just go like th- drive 300 Ks, get a job for a week. Nice. And especially as like a boilermaker, like mm-hmm. he was doing pressure welding and stuff. So getting really good money mm-hmm. um, and just traveling around. I've also heard of people doing um, literature evangelism trips ah, in, in yes. a similar way. So yes. uh, more a spiritual take on this where they, mm-hmm. you know, show up to a, to a town mm-hmm. with a box of books. Yep. Get around, yep. sell the books off, take the money, move to the next town, yeah. restock their books, yeah. sell more books. So books oh, is a great man, thing that's start. awesome stuff. And it's also cool, you know, to have that ability to, yeah. to move around and explore. That's a great, yeah, I have to agree. In more news, uh, there is a initiative happening in Spain. As Spain, they oh, are, let's go. They are pushing to work less, live more. Um, they're flirting with a four day week and they're looking at the benefits of working less and strengthening families to improve gender equality. So the four-day working week has become a reality for some employees at some firms in Spain after the government there agreed to launch a pilot project for companies that are interested in experimenting with the idea. So details of this trial are still being fleshed out, including how many firms will be involved, how long the trial will last. However, the government is reportedly considering covering the costs that are incurred by participants participating firms if there are if there are any and as they switch to a shorting shorter working week employee pay will be unaffected with a four-day week uh four-day working week 32 hours we're launching into the real debate of our times um and it's in a it's a you know ever since the a pandemic a mindset a mindset shift has happened with within work-life balance not just for employees um uh, this has uh, Unilever, a multinational consumer goods company, announced in November that it will also experiment with a four-day working week in New Zealand. And staff there will remain on the same pay as a part of the long, year-long trial. There's plenty of benefits, uh, for example, of, of working mm. less in terms of a smaller carbon footprint, stronger economy, better employment, employees, lower em- unemployment, improved well-being, uh, more equality between men and women, higher quality, higher quality affordable childcare, more time for family and friends, a better wellness. I love this. Mm-hmm. I would <laughs> I would say, I would argue that what we need is the Sabbath. Like a true Amen. Sabbath mm-hmm. rest actually is so good for you. I think I, that's why I think I'm like, oh, four day working week, sure. But like have your Sabbath and that, that will do it. hundred percent. You know what's so funny? I used to live in Spain. Oh, and uh, it's so funny that they're, they're the one making this reform, even though like 
like living in Spain, I know this, that they start work generally at 10 o'clock in the morning and they take a two-hour lunch break, three-hour lunch break in the middle of the day. It's called siesta. So it's interesting that they're pioneering this. It's probably pretty fitting. Trying to, they yeah. got to understand. <laughs> <laughs> They've got it down pat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good stuff right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so we've come into our, you know, current serious news, and I want to just quickly touch uh, on the floods. They are subsisting. Uh, like I said, we have an interview coming out with Rod Bailey uh, a little bit past 7.30. That will be really good. I really feel like, you know, if you listen to one thing today, please listen to this interview. Really inspiring stuff. Uh, a really awesome look, uh, but deep and uh Quite heavy look into what's going on in that in that area. Uh, Rod being directly in the areas afflicted uh, affected by the flood. Um, so yeah, we're seeing the rain tumble, seeing the rain fall. It's still going on, uh, still quite heavy. But this morning, I wanted to talk about a particularly heavy subject, um, as this has been you know big in our news headlines. You would have heard if you know heard the heard the headlines this morning. You would have heard some of this. Basically, what's what's going on in the area of debauchery in Parliament House? Uh, essentially, you know, just some really harrowing stuff has been coming out. Uh, of course, we need to talk about first, you know, probably someone who has attracted a lot of attention to this uh, subject, uh, Brittany Higgins and her story. I don't believe we talked about it on radio yet. Um, her story of, you know, uh, going through... It's, it's just heavy. I, I want to get this across as, as best as I can. Um, but essentially, you know, Brittany Higgins having a night out with a colleague um, in Canberra. Uh, you know, they go out, go drinking. Uh, it comes towards the end of their night out and the, the colleague says to, you know, this male colleague says to her, hey, you know, can I take you back uh, to your place, you know, ride with you in the cab just to make sure you're all good? She's like, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, she's like, oh, I've just got to quickly stop by Parliament House. Um, so they, they stop by Parliament House um, and that's when this incident occurs and essentially what's been alleged is that um, she fell asleep on a couch in her office and woke up to um, yeah basically being violated uh, which is incredibly heavy and so these uh, these this allegation came out uh, I believe a couple months ago and it's just been it's just been building since then now several allegations about this person has come out um, the big kind of moving part in this story that's come out this morning is that uh, this person was seemingly let go from Parliament House um, according to Scott Morrison because of a security breach but according to uh, security you know security guards at Parliament House and people who are working in management there, uh, no no information has come out about that. Uh, there is, you know, they, they didn't see any security breach. They didn't see any uh, things. So, yeah, it's just a really set, sketchy subject. As we heard this morning as well, Scott Morrison condemning um, um, Parliament staffers who have been fired for committing sex acts in Parliament House, um, at like, and then filming them and sending them to other people, uh, you know, even this morning talking about them going on in the room of meditation and prayer, uh, in the Parliament Chapel, which is incredibly offensive. Yeah. Um, and disrespectful. And disrespectful. And so I, I saw all of these stories, mm-hmm. um, and I just, I needed to talk about, because, you know, 
basically all of them are being perpetrated by men. I, I want to preempt what I'm about to say by ba- saying that here at Faith FM, you know, we are Christians. Mm. We believe in, you know, the equality of everyone and the inherent value of everyone that is ascribed to them by God, mm. um, whether it's gender, race, whatever. Um, we also want to, like, I just want to quickly recognize the fact that, yes, Men have struggles, men have issues, mm-hmm. men go through problems and that, you know, and this has been coming up in the last couple of years, people talking more openly about yeah. this. And uh, I want to, yeah, like we want to acknowledge that those things exist. We talked a little bit uh, last week about, you know, homeless shelters yeah. uh, opening that support men and whatnot. So we are by no means haters of men, no. but what we are seeing in this circumstances, these men in power um, taking, you know, basically, you know, taking advantage of their position. Mm. It's it's essentially the the quintessential example of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Now, the misconception of what toxic masculinity is and that causes a lot of backlash is that toxic masculinity is that, you know, masculine features are bad. Mm. But that's not true. Yeah. What masculinity, toxic masculinity actually is, is men taking advantage of their positions of power, the masculine traits that they've been given, mm. taking advantage of those to hurt other people. Yeah. That's what toxic masculinity is because it's just, you know, biblically, biologically, we see this reality that um, men, you know, take this leader protector role. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been given it by God, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, you know, just biologically as well, that they're, they're in that position of, of protection, in that position of where they can help and aid and, you know, be the heavy lifters of their family situation, mm-hmm. of their work situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, men, uh, sorry, women have their skills in, in being able to, you know, multitask, be creative, mm-hmm. get things done. Um, but ultimately, when men take advantage of that role that they've been given as a leader, as, you know, the, the power that they've been given in that, that is what toxic masculinity actually is. And it's just, it's just disgusting. Like, it's just terrible. It's something that needs to stop. And we can all see this. Um, but the solution is to, to like, just, I, I believe the solution is is education, not necessarily yeah, uh, a slamming of men. You know, we, there's the whole moniker like men are trash and, mm-hmm. and all this stuff. Like, it, honestly, like that's not true. But in some and cases, that doesn't it help. Is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, this is my personal opinion moment. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't think that helps anyone by saying men are trash. Mm-hmm. I think it's best. I, I just. Yeah, I just don't think it helps. <laughs> yeah, I think because like it's it's not fair to say that about because women. The same it's not fair to be, say that exactly. There men. is toxic femin feminism. I don't know what the femininity. Word is. Yeah, it's when you it's when women use their their given their name the way I don't know how to describe yeah. what you said, but yeah. opposite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. No, it's it's just heavy. It's sad to see. And I I really hope that we can identify this for what it is, something that needs to change. Um, but also, like, the problem, again, this is really key, is that because toxic masculinity isn't the inherent traits of men, but rather the abuse of them, mm. that means that it can change. Mm. It can be resolved. Mm-hmm. And it can be resolved by personal choice. Yeah. There is not some boogeyman that we need to blame or change or whatever. No, we just need to, as men, as women, it, wherever our lot is in life, make the decision to change. Yeah. Make the decision to be better than we are. Um, of course, I believe that that can be ultimately achieved um, 
by the power that God gives us. You know, we talked about yesterday the restoration work that God does on our hearts. We are people condemned by the curse of sin. Uh, we are led to do things that we do not want to do, mm-hmm. but we still need to take responsibility for them. Um, and thankfully, God is so loving that he gives us the ability to change uh, through the power of his Holy Spirit. So I know that this was a bit of a rant this morning on some pretty hot button topics. Uh, you know, I didn't really uh, jump too heavily into the stories, but I just wanted to, to get this out there because it was really weighing on my heart like how can we see change in this area by taking responsibility to our actions and going to the to the people that can help us which i believe is first and foremost is god yeah you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different come to our interview section today and we have rod bailey on the phone to talk about the a catastrophic one in 100 year event that's happening here uh, in Australia, particularly in our mid north coast area. Rod, how are you going? Uh, it's a bit wet here, Lawson, <laughs> but uh, doing all right in uh, in spite of what's happening. Yeah, so so Rod, let's just get a little bit of background on yourself, where you're from, and uh, and then we'll just you know have a look at what's going on in the area. <laughs> so yeah, who are you, Rod? Okay, so uh, my family and I grow organic veggies on the mid-north coast. Mm-hmm. We are about uh, 40 minutes drive. Well, no one's driving anywhere here at the moment, but, um, yeah, we're to the, just to the northwest of Port Macquarie in um, a valley called Rollins Plains. Mm. Of course, we have to get to, so, you know, what has been going on there? How has the, these, you know, floods been affecting you? Yeah, well, I guess it started raining back in December, and we had some mild flooding back then, and then uh, more rain in in, uh, January, and then into February. But yeah, last week, it it really started coming down with this current weather system, and so all the forest behind us was all very wet already, and so most of this rain has run off, and as you said in your intro, it's been pronounced one in 100 year event, and certainly... The old timers in our valley have never seen it so high. So pretty well we had half our yearly rainfall in two days over Thursday and Friday. And obviously, uh, yeah, that water had to come somewhere and that's down the river valley. So it's a record flood. Our neighbours, especially on the river flats, have fed pretty badly. And you've probably all seen the TV footage of, of Port Macquarie and, you know, other places that have been been uh, terribly affected as well. Mm, so, uh, my question is, so this seems to, as you mentioned before, like with, uh, you had some mild flooding at the end of last year, some stuff in early January. Did you, was this something that was like, you know, building up and ongoing is kind of hit a, a precipice with these last couple of days or is this, did, you, did this just come out of nowhere for you guys? Look, it's, it's not unknown. Um, they're, they're saying this is the largest flood event since 1968 in this area, but, mm. you know, earlier in that decade and back in the 20s as well, you know, flood, floods aren't a new thing. I mean, Dorothea McKellar said it rightly in a famous poem, I Love a Sunburned Country, where she said, we're a land of sweeping plains, of ragged mountain ranges, of droughts and flooding rains. I mean, that's Australia. Mm. You know, and uh, at the moment, all sorts of people are blaming this on all sorts of things. But um, uh, this is what happens on the east coast of Australia. These uh, these east coast lows sit around and pump lots of moisture into the atmosphere. And it, uh, when when uh, that moist air hits the Great Dividing Range, down comes the rain. You know, and the whole uh, 
La Nina. She's obviously had uh, added contributing factors here, but this is just what happens, Lawson. Australia's been like this. This is this is why our landscape is the shape as it is because it's it's been it's been shaped over the last few thousand years by these sorts of weather events. Yeah, these crazy weather events and adverse effects. And I'd love to get now, so in, in terms of your area, you're seeing, you know, very high floods. As you said, you know, two uh, years worth of rainfall, half a year's worth of rainfall in two days. Uh, what what effect is that having just on your guys' lives, um, you know, in terms of yourself and the, the, the people in your area? Sure. Well, on a macro sense, uh, our whole area has been cut off from elsewhere for the last four days. Um mm. Uh, we have solar power, so we're not affected by the loss of power. Once again, no, nothing, no power for four days, no mm. telecommunications in our area. So, you know, if people wanted to call triple zero, they couldn't. Um, mobile phones are down, the landlines aren't working, etc. So, that's uh, that's um, on the macro sense. No one's getting getting anywhere, um, but. Uh, you know, everyone's been affected differently. In our our garden, as I mentioned, we grow organic veggies, and um, you know, having half our yearly rainfall in two days just meant that even the best drainage that we've we've got in our garden hasn't been able to keep up. So mm. that's meant incredible erosion of the fine topsoil out of our raised garden beds, and um, just leaving the coarse material. So our garden beds look like pebble crete at the moment. Um, because all the smaller particles have washed away with mm. the six or twelve inches of water that was flowing through all of our raised beds, you know. And then the flow-on effects happen. The water logging causes the roots of the plants to rot. Explosion of fungal diseases. The leaves and whole plants are just collapsing and rotting. Um, even lettuce that loves water, you know, you could just about say lettuce is a swamp plant. Well, it's just collapsing in front of us. Um, all of our fruiting crops like zucchinis and capsicums and eggplants, you know, they're just rotting on the plants. And, yeah, so pretty well complete devastation in our garden. And it's just a matter of waiting till things dry out, reforming our beds and replanting. But, you know, Lawson, our neighbours fared a lot worse in many ways because I've experienced a lot of permanent damage. So, yeah. as I mentioned, this is record flood levels in, in this valley. It reached an unexpected height unexpectedly quickly, and we don't have any water level indicators further up the valley. So it, it just it just turns up, you deal with it as it comes. But, you know, we've got lots of neighbours that have had up to 600 mils of, uh, of water running through their houses. Everything's destroyed, food, furniture, fridges, freezers, you know, it's, it's just got an inch of mud everywhere. And Once again, they don't have any power. All the water's polluted, their sewage systems are flooded, so even when the river level goes down, you know, their, their houses aren't habitable. And then the farmers, you know, hundreds of kilometres of fencing gone just in our valley, you know, in, mm. in our small valley in, in the region, there'll be tens of thousands of kilometres of fencing gone, and, you know, the surviving cattle are all over the place, um... A lot of head of livestock have been washed down the river. You might have seen photos of, of cows turning up on the front lawns of riverfront, expensive yeah. riverfront homes in Port Macquarie. You know, silage bales washed down the river, vehicles. We saw one of our neighbours' camper vans float down the river. It was last thing about 5Ks from home. Our friends lost bee boxes. You know, the only thing that was alive in the bee bee boxes was the wax moth that, you know, their mm. grubs destroy the wax yeah. in the bee boxes. Oh, yeah, our whole paddocks have disappeared, um, Lawson. Um, 
you know, the river's ploughed a new course across country and so whole paddocks have just disappeared and other paddocks have been covered with thousands of tonnes of rocks and gravel that's washed down the river. So, you know, how, how does the farmer come back from that? That's, that's difficult. Crops, fodder, loose and lost and... You know, coming away from agriculture, looking further down the river, the oyster farmers, you know, last little flood we had in 2013, the local oyster farmers lost, you know, half a million dollars worth of, uh, of oysters. So, mm. yeah, it's, it's a difficult situation all around. Uh, our neighbours, the dairy farmers, roads to cart, cows out for four days. They've got generators to keep their milking machines and their milk cold in the vats, but after four days of the milk truck not coming in, the milk just has to go down the drain. Yeah. You know, and we're the same. Uh, we can't get surviving any crops that have survived. We can't get them out to our local customers. You know, on a normal mm. week, we supply uh, veggies to 200-plus families um, and to local stores as well. But those stores will be running out of fresh food real soon if they haven't already because, you know, the Pacific Highway's cut. And so, yeah, yeah difficult times all around. 100%. And, and I, I guess my, my next question is, if things seem, uh, if things are very difficult, is there anything happening in the way of relief? You know, how, how are these people um, getting through these incredibly tough circumstances? Yeah, I, I think um, for a lot of people, uh, it's their pragmatism that's going to get through. You know, farmers, mm. are, farmers are pragmatic um, uh, and um, they're not blaming anyone. It's just this is what's happened and they'll do what they can to get through. But, you know, what is happening, the relief, you know, the SES and the, all, all of the emergency service crew have been fantastic. I mean, they haven't been able to get into our valley, but, you know, farmers are, are a self-sufficient sort of a lot. They find it hard to accept help if they, they can see a way to sort it out themselves. But, you know, in the more populated areas, the emergency crews have just been fantastic um, rescuing people and all the rest of it. I just came in and listened on the radio as we were coming in to get reception to talk to you that the government has pronounced the Mid-North Coast a disaster recovery area. And so, you know, the government's giving grants and interest-free yeah, loans yeah. and all sorts of stuff. So that's all happening. But what can I say? When things like this happen, it's a real testimony of of human resilience you know we've been blessed we've been blessed with the ability of of taking things in our stride and and just doing what we can and you know in australia there's this not only do we have the fantastic support of all these emergency crews but we still have a lot of community spirit left and um there's people helping people everywhere that's what it comes down to recognizing that there are people worse off than ourselves and doing what we can to help each other Mm, ah, definitely it's that is that is the way that is lifeblood of charity and community is just going out of your way for each other especially in very difficult circumstances like uh these ones and i have to think after, after these things happen um well you guys are still in this situation how long does it seem like the the weather is going to persist okay further rainfall is predicted until uh tomorrow night and mm-hmm. so you know so far we've had two peaks of the flood um uh, friday night was the highest peak it came back up again last night um but that's probably the worst of it although 
Kempsey, they're saying this morning um, the levees are about to go over, possibly. So, you know, there are some communities that are still in the middle of it up here. Um, our local areas, the, the farmers are in clean-up mode, mm. um, trying to make the best of it. But, you know... Uh, there's been serious impact on many thousands of people's lives in this area. And mm. um, the reaction will vary a lot between people. You know, some people are just on the edge, you know, of disaster, it seems, on a day-to-day basis. So an event yeah. like this can just really tip them over the edge. And mm. we just need to be conscious of, of uh, you know, just being gracious towards each other and helping each other out wherever possible. And... You know, some some will blame all this on the government. Some will blame it on the local council. Some will blame it on council uh, climate change. Some will blame the greenies. Some will blame God. But like I said, farmers are generally pretty pragmatic, and they won't blame anyone. They'll just start to clean up and try to make the best of the situation. But I really think Lawson that those with a faith in God will find plenty of things to be thankful for in spite of their problems because. Faith really, in essence, is is trusting God and believing that he knows best what is for our good. So sometimes it's hard to remember that God's in our corner, but, you know, once we're clear on that point, you know, we can just, we can go forward with that simple faith, claiming his promises and trusting that he'll give us the strength and courage and perseverance we need to get through it. And, you know, to be able to help other people, to help them come, come out stronger on the other side as well. 100%. 100%. Rod, thank you so much for joining us this morning. And as you said, a faith in God is something that is really needed at this time. Also, prayer uh, is something that is really, really needed in this time, especially, you know, maybe if we're, we're in areas where we can't necessarily help you guys, petitioning to God and uh, also the Christian services in that in those different areas for, uh, from the churches and disaster reliefs are definitely going to be doing their best to help uh, you guys and many of the affected people out. I think about, you know, the, the circumstance, like the, the effects that that'll have on on your business going forward like what's the what's the plan look like for you guys <laughs> oh well we we'll wait till it, uh, it starts drying out we, we really can't do anything uh, until it starts mm. drying out and then uh, it'll just be a matter of reforming our beds and and starting again you know it's, it's pretty well cuts us out for uh, probably three months um, we'll be struggling. There'll be a very small amount of produce we'll be able to get out of our garden over the next few weeks. But the challenge is, Lawson, is as soon as the cloud and the rain goes away and the sun comes out hot again, because March it still you know, can be pretty intense, it will destroy all the crops that have survived the rain because mm. the, the plants, there's, there's no air in the soil and when the sun hits the plants, they just wilt worse than they do if they're waterlogged because they they can't maintain their physiological um, processes in the plants and yeah. so yeah what survives the rain will get smashed by the rain uh, by the sun later this week but um yeah look, look there's an awful lot of people out there worse off than us Lawson so um we we count our blessings one by one and and know that God's in our corner and things will work out for the best that's his promise um, yeah, Rod, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Lawson. Have a great day. Will do. We'll come right back after this. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. 